Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 65. If you're tuning into this podcast real time, this is the week of December 11th. And uh, we're approaching the end of the year. And so uh, if you're starting to notice a little bit of the theme with uh, some of the topics that we're talking about each week, that's intentional. We, we really want to kind of close the year out strong and really find a good way to look at some of the things that we've done in 2017, uh, moving into 2018, and, and really encourage you to be more intentional with the things that you're doing in terms of planning uh, for the next year, evaluating for this year. And so I wanted to find a guest that would be a, a good person to really have a, a high level conversation about some of this stuff. And I know that you traditionally have things like New Year's resolutions and those kinds of things that are they're gonna be start popping up on your list, but I feel like that those are, um, they're more surface level. I, I think if you're really gonna be a successful leader and you really wanna be uh, successful in a broader sense besides just something financial, you really need to have individual goals and individual things that you're dialing into to really uh, point yourself in the right direction and stay uh, in that slow obedience in the same direction uh, on, on the way to, to the goals that you've set in front of yourself. And so I'm really excited to bring in our guest today. His name is Jim Stovall. And, and if that name sounds familiar to you, uh, Jim is a very well-known uh, speaker here in the Tulsa area. He's very well known nationally. Uh, Jim Stovall has been a national champion Olympic weightlifter, the president of the Emmy award-winning Narrative Television Network, and a highly sought-after author and platform speaker. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Ultimate Gift, which is now a major motion picture starring James Gardner and Abigail Breslin. That is just a really brief introduction on, on who Jim is. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience and uh, go ahead and feel free to elaborate a little bit on, on who you are for the audience if they don't know who you are. Well, it's great to be with you, Evan. I, I, you know, I grew up here in Tulsa and uh, my goal in life was to be a... Uh, uh, an NFL football player. I was well on my way to doing that when I was diagnosed with a disease that would cause me to be blind. Realizing real quickly there's no blind guys in the NFL, I uh, changed my life goals and finished my athletic career as an Olympic weightlifter and then did lose my sight by age 29 and same age as many of your uh, constituents. And then I started a company out of my own need uh, called Narrative Television, and we make movies, television, and educational programming accessible for 13 million blind and visually impaired people in the U.S. and millions more around the world. And out of that has come, you know, 40 books and eight movies now, and my national radio shows and my weekly syndicated columns and arena speeches and all the things we do. But it all began with Narrative Television. That's awesome. Well, we're in the uh, 
world headquarters for Narrative Television uh, Network today. So I'm excited to be here. And it's really awesome walking in. I get to see a lot of uh, pictures of famous people and people that I believe that you've met, Jim. And, and so there's, there's a lot of knowledge in this room. There's a lot of expertise. And so I want to try to tap into that a little bit as we're uh, setting goals and we're trying to um, launch ourselves in, into our best year ever. Um, and so, Jim, you heard a little bit of, of me talking about some of the some of the direction we want to go today, and I'd really love to to pose this first question to you uh, in terms of uh, reflecting on the current year. So uh, that I believe is a very important process of goal setting, and so I'd love to get your thoughts on the importance of reflection uh, and how and why you believe reflection is important. Well, the thing we measure is the thing that moves, and. Uh, you know, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's fitness, whatever it is, the thing you measure is the thing that always moves. And uh, unfortunately, too many people um, have a goal in one area, but measure the wrong thing. And if you want to read a book about that, read Moneyball. And it's a whole book, or you can catch the movie Moneyball, about why people measure the wrong thing. But uh, you know, I think it's probably one of the most critical things we do because as entrepreneurs or business people, we spend so much time, you know, working in our business that if we're not careful, we never spend any time working on it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you got to step out and look at what am I really doing here? And for that reason, uh, I close my business between uh, before Christmas until after New Year's. We take about 12 days and everybody here shuts down and I spend that time reflecting on my business and spend some time with my wife and my family looking at uh, where are we going, where are we, what do we want to do. I appreciate you giving us uh, an inside look in, into some of the things that you do and, and really talking about that stuff. You, you, you said something to me, or actually heard a, a quote from you a while back, and uh, I, I want to kind of tee it up for you a little bit. And, and it, it kind of comes from the question, what makes us different? Year to, year to year. We talk a little bit about reflection, we talk about goal setting, but you said the thing that we measure um, moves, but I think there's another part to that in terms of just, we don't want to be this uh, uh, somebody with 10 years of experience, but really we're just a person with one year of experience 10 times. And right. so what are the, what's the thing that really differentiates us from year to year? Well, I, one of my mentors and guy who published a number of my books uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones and uh, actually changed his middle name to Tremendous and if there was ever a guy named the right thing it was Charlie and he was fond of saying and I've adopted the phrase that you'll be the same person you are today five years from now except for two things the people you meet and the books you read and that's what will change your existence or the people you meet and the books you read very few people are revolutionaries very few people change the environment. Most success is follow the leader. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to figure it out, just do what they did. And it's just that simple. I love the idea of follow the leader because that's essentially figuring out those people that are successful around you, look at the clues that they leave behind, and if you follow some of the things that they do, there are some 
some undisputable truths that generation to generation uh, continue on. And I believe a lot of the leaders that you talk about uh, or that you read about uh, have some of these traits. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit. I know uh, I, I have some questions a little bit further on down the line on that. But one of the things you said is, is the books that you read is, is the thing that differentiate the, the people that you meet. We're going to we'll address that here in a little bit. But I really want to drill down on the books uh, that you read. So what, what are the books that, are, that you're reading right now or some of the books that you would recommend to the audience that's going to help take them to that next level in their life? And, and feel free to plug one of your books. Let's not do all of them, but let's, I know you got a lot to choose from. <laughs> well, I, you know, as the author of 42 books with 10 million books in print around the world, I'm embarrassed to tell you and your listeners that when I could read with my eyes like you do, I don't know that I ever read a whole book cover to cover. After losing my sight, I discovered the National Library for the Blind in audiobooks, and I was actually involved in an experiment in the mid-80s that uh, became the beginning of digitally compressed audio. Well, thanks to that, I can listen to books at six, seven, sometimes even 800 words a minute, depending on the content. So I read a book every day. Wow. Evan, there has not been a day in the last uh, 28 years, I haven't read a whole book. So I have read thousands and thousands of books. I get up at four in the morning every day and I read a book before I come to the office. And uh, that is my life. And uh, that's what's made me an author. I mean, you know, people all the time want to know, how do I become a writer? Try being a reader. And, <laughs> and it, it changes your world. And uh, because the most brilliant people that have ever inhabited this planet are just waiting to tell you the best secrets they know. And you know, guys, we can learn from anybody. You know, you know, we as uh, people of faith or people of principle, we often, if someone has flaws, we think, well, I just reject them. I'm not gonna learn anything from them. No, Gandhi said everyone is my superior in that I can learn something from them. I mean, there are despicable characters in professional football and the NBA and Major League Baseball. These are not role models. But if you want to learn how to throw a curveball, they, they can show you how to do it. <laughs> you know, there are, you can learn something from everybody. There's a, a few people, about all you can learn is what you don't want to be in life, but there, there are some true lessons there. So, you know, and I would begin all success reading with Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill's landmark book. It sold 100 million copies. It far outstrips anything else in the marketplace. Most people, including myself, that write in the field of success or personal development uh, owe a debt of gratitude to Napoleon Hill, and it's quite simply the best book there's ever been on the subject. And then from there, you can start uh, reading any number of books. You know, if you're a business person or entrepreneur, in my books, I would probably suggest you uh, look at The Art of Productivity. Uh, it's a book I did with Steve Forbes and Coach Wood, John Wooden. Um, looking at some of those titles uh, and ultimate hindsight a hundred top-level people I've interviewed over the years and what they believe success involves and uh, and top of the hill it's in my book about Napoleon Hill and it's got uh, they allowed me to reprint all 17 of his uh, success principles and uh, so those are those are a good place to start but as you meet successful people ask them what are you reading right now and what what did you read when you started what are you reading now and you will never run out of books. Like I said, I read one every day. Well, I love that you brought up Top of the Hill um, because that's actually something you wrote about in your column 
this week. And so as I was kind of preparing for this interview with you, I, I knew that uh, uh, you had this project going on, and I'm really intrigued about it because, uh, as you know, I worked with Tracy Trost a while back, who was a, he was on the podcast a while uh, back, and so he is a huge fan of Napoleon Hill uh, and just all the principles that uh, Napoleon has learned from Andrew Carnegie uh, and all the things that he did. And so talk a little bit about that project because I know that's something near and dear to your heart right now. Um, you know, Napoleon Hill interviewed 500 successful people and he made it a goal to seek out successful people and learn from them. So talk a little bit about that project, wh wh where it's going, wh what you're planning to, to do with it and how people can kind of learn more about it. Well, uh, Top of the Hill is the second book in my, I call them homecoming historical books and movies. The first one was called One Season of Hope and they all take place at fictitious high schools. Top of the Hill takes place at a fictitious Napoleon Hill High School. And the kids there, their school's threatened, uh, these bad guys are gonna take over their town and ruin their community. And these high school kids apply Hill's 17 principles to turn the situation around and save the day. In addition, uh, uh, myself and Don Green at the Napoleon Hill Foundation, we just finished working on a, a major movie project that'll be out in 2018. Wow called Think and Grow Rich, and it's the life and impact and legacy of Napoleon Hill. And we reenact his life. He was born in 1883 in an impoverished area of the country. I've been to his homestead, and uh, if there's a more God-forsaken place than where he came from, I don't know where it would be. <laughs> and uh, as a young man, he was a reporter for a local newspaper. He was actually there the day the Wright brothers flew. He was one of the very few uh, reporters there. And then one of his assignments was to interview Andrew Carnegie, the steel magnate from U.S. Steel, the richest man in the world probably at that time. Um, and he'll ask him, what do you have to do to be wealthy? What do you have to do to be rich? And, you know, Carnegie told him the, the science of success has never really been quantified. And he said, if you'll dedicate 20 years of your life, I will make sure you'll be the one that will reveal that. And Hill took the challenge, supported himself on the side. Uh, Carnegie never gave him a dime. And uh, for the next 20 years, he interviewed 500 people that Carnegie set him up with, including Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, on and on and on. Wow. 500 of these people. And he synthesized this into success principles. And in 1937, he released Think and Grow Rich. It, uh, it nothing has even come close to it. it it is credited with helping to end the Great Depression uh, I have never met a person of success that hasn't read that book and owns a copy of it and reads it all the time I mean it's just to me it's the owner's manual for success and there are some great books that come in around it and support it but if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich uh, you know you're just not educated in the field well, I love how passionate you are about that that project and passionate you are about uh, that book because if, if there's a clue that you're going to pick up from this podcast, hopefully it's that you need to get Think and Grow Rich right now and read that because it does have a lot of fantastic principles. I, I want to ask you, uh, why do you think that those principles, uh, you know, you said that uh, Hill was born in the, in the 1800s, late 1800s. Why do you think that the principles that he sh uh, learned and shared in the uh, 1930s are still relevant today? I mean, we're multiple generations past Napoleon Hill, and yet you bring up his book, of all the books that we could choose, to be one of the best. So what, what do you think it is about the 
the principles that he selects or, or do, do these principles change over time? Principles are enduring. They're timeless. They never change. Practice changes. I mean, you can't do business today the way Napoleon Hill did, you know, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'll go broke. But so, so what you need to do is take uh, timeless principles and combine them with timely business techniques and best practices, and then you can succeed. But the principles never change. They never have. They never will. That's great. Well, I'm hoping that with this podcast that we can take some of those principles, make them a little bit more relevant to a younger audience, and just continue to pass them on. Uh, we're, we're not necessarily reinventing the wheel here. We're just highlighting and presenting some of those things differently. So I'm so glad that you're here to talk about this, and I'm so glad that you're taking the time to re-release the book uh, in, in the form of a, a story like you're talking about with the high school and, and doing the movie. That's really exciting. One, one of the things I did want to ask you, though, is uh, who would you say that our Andrew Carnegie is today? Who, who's somebody that would potentially be that person that we would look to reinforce a lot of those success principles? I know, obviously, you think about the name Andrew Carnegie today, and it still carries weight. Who do you think the today's leaders are in terms of uh, thought leaders that would be rel- or would be comparable to an Andrew Carnegie? Well, of the people I know and have worked with, I always start with Steve Forbes. Mm-hmm. There's probably no one alive today in the 21st century that has chronicled more wealth, success, wealth building, uh, and how people have gotten there than Steve Forbes. And uh, he's been a great friend, and uh, I've had the privilege of spending a lot of time with him. We've done several book projects together. Then in the investment field, uh, Warren Buffett is, is uh, I mean, he, he remains timeless principles, but cutting-edge technology in how he does what he does. And uh, he has done things that people thought would be impossible. Uh, I mean, it's amazing to invest like he did when he was small. To do it now with billions of dollars is just staggering to see what Buffett continues to do. And then I look at, you know, when you look at innovation, uh, you you look at Elon Musk and Mm -hmm. people like that because... uh, uh, technology is compressing everything. Um, you know, people that are going to succeed five years from now are going to master things we don't even know today. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be out in front of those, and he has certainly done that. So, and, and then there are just people, you know, if you'll read uh, uh, Tom Stanley's Millionaire Next Door, mm-hmm. you'll find that there are people that run your dry cleaners, your local convenience store, whatever, that are multimillionaires. They're changing the world. And uh, you may not know who they are. I mean, there's people, every, they're just everyday millionaires that made a difference. And today, uh, you know, the fastest growing group of millionaires right now are 401k or IRA millionaires. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have people all the time, Evan, tell me, you know, if I could write best-selling books or make speeches and get paid $35,000 for an hour, or if I had a, you know, syndicated column in 400 newspapers in North America, Europe, and Asia, or if I had a television network with a thousand stations or all this, I could get rich too. Well, one of the things I'm very proud of that I've done, and I tell my readers in my columns, I started a little 401k here at my company. Same thing anybody can do, whether you own a company or you're an employee. I started investing in it uh, uh, 22 years ago, just like anybody can. The numbers are the same as anybody listening to this could do. And uh, the beginning of last year, I became a, a millionaire just out of my 401k. Wow. The same thing anybody could have done. So 
you know, you don't have to be a big time ball player or a brilliant author or anything else. You you can just go to work uh, in your own business or someone else, create value for them, invest for yourself, and become very very wealthy. Well, I love how we uh, transitioned a little bit into the topic of finances because we actually did talk about one of your articles. Uh, in uh, two podcasts ago with a, a guest, uh, Jonathan Hall, and we talked about uh, investing 401k, just the real basic stuff in, in terms of like uh, that compounding interest is really important. In, and a lot of my people in my audience are in that wealth building phase right now. And so uh, I love how you're reinforcing that. So uh, if you're taking anything away from today besides uh, get think and grow rich, it's it's start investing and saving for your, your future. Uh, look for that deferred gratification. You don't have to spend it all now, but the results later on down the line, like you said, uh, just starting something real basic like that can compound into something amazing. I'd love to get your thoughts a little bit about the debt trap because we talked a little bit about that blog and it was it was a really uh, inspiring piece and I think it's something that I think a lot of people need to hear and especially need to be reminded of. What kind of led you to uh, want to talk about that, to, to put that in front of people, uh, especially at the end of the year? But, uh, you know, why was that so important to you at the time that you felt that the, the need to bring it up? You know, Evan, I, I have millions of books in print. My phone number's in the back of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, about three million people a week around the world read my column. My phone number's in all of them. Uh, every time I speak in arenas, I give my contact info. I return every call and I answer every email. And the thing that I find logistically that keeps more people living in poverty or keeps them away from whatever their dream is, is debt. Mm-hmm. And we have become so comfortable with debt. And a lot of it is because our leaders in Washington and here in Oklahoma City are, are comfortable with debt. Yeah. We owe $20 trillion. And I mean, what's a trillion? I mean, it's just unbelievable that we get that. I mean. I heard a report during the, the floods in Houston after the hurricane. They, some geologists figured out that, that the, the groundwater that had come up and flooded that whole area uh, was 20 trillion gallons of water that engulfed uh, like hundreds of square miles. Yeah. We owe a dollar for every one of those gallons. I mean, it's staggering what we owe. Well, you know, people have become comfortable with that. People think you can't buy a car without a loan. People think you can't get a house without a loan, or you're going to have a loan the rest of your life. It, most people don't realize, Evan, one-third of all the houses in North America have no mortgage on them at all. Wow. People paid off their house. Um, you know, I when I was in college, I was very poor. My wife and I uh, started a scholarship uh, 27 years ago, and we have now sent over 500 kids to college. I know what it takes to go to college. I, I, I pay for them every year. <laughs> and, but... Um, but I see kids now that go to private schools and get out of school debt free. They don't, you know. And one of the worst things I see is the average kid graduating from college today owes twenty-seven thousand dollars in student loan debt, and they have credit card debt on top of that. Mm-hmm. And this will just kill your dreams worse than anything else. I mean, you know, we all start financially at ground zero, but some people got to get up to zero. They got to <laughs> get out of the hole. Yeah. And that's where I started my journey. I mean, I was so far in debt on real estate deals and things I was trying to do. Um, you know, we had to get out of the hole. And uh, I would encourage people, don't get in the hole. But if you are, make a major goal to get out of debt, whatever it takes. And probably some of the best information on that out there is from my, my good friend and colleague, Dave Ramsey, mm-hmm. has some amazing stuff. And, 
I would point you to his stuff. That's awesome. Well, you, you referenced a term in that uh, article, breaking the bondage of slavery. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love, I don't love slavery. Uh, let, me, let me make sure I'm phrasing that correctly. But what I want to say is, is that there's a lot of freedom that's on the other side of that debt. Uh, freedom to make a lot more risky uh, decisions in terms of like if you're going to be an entrepreneur, uh, you have that freedom to go out there and try some new things. Otherwise, you feel trapped in the job that you're in. You feel trapped in the role that you're in because the bills are what's going to take priority. And so if you can start working uh, and chipping away at it, you, one of the principles you talked about is paying yourself first in that, in, that, uh, in that article. And I love that because basically what you're saying is as you're replacing and finally paying off some of those things, you're actually starting to still set that money aside. But now it's set aside for yourself. And I think it's such an easy thing to do. It's almost too easy. Um, but I think a lot of people don't take the time to do it. They're, they look at, hey, I got free money now. Now I'm going to go buy something else and get into debt again. And the cycle just continues and continues. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the greatest wisdom financially in the scriptures says that the the borrower is slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And, uh, you, know, you, you know, people put themselves in this bondage. And every dollar you earn, I don't care if you're a billionaire or if you if you got one dollar, every dollar you earn, a portion of it should be spent on your needs for today, a portion of it should be saved and invested for tomorrow, and a portion of it should be given away. And, you know, we spend very well here in America. We don't save and invest and we don't give. And you need to do all three with your money or you're never going to be successful, in my opinion. And... Uh, Real quick, I'll tell you a story about investors. I yeah. mean, uh, I call it a tale of two sisters, and uh, two sisters on their twin sisters on their 18th birthday, their their uh, grandfather gave them a a financial book, and they both read it. Sister A got really excited and started her investment plan and put a little money in there every year. Sister B said, "I'll do it later." Well. What seemed like just a few months or years later, they're 30 years old now, and time goes so fast. (laughs) And it's hard to realize when you're young, but it won't take long. 12 years later, they're 30, and they get together for their party, these two twin girls. And Sister A has saved quite a bit of money. Sister B hasn't started. She's embarrassed. She starts saving. Sister A says, I don't want to save anymore. Sister B saves for the next 40 years until she's 70 years old. So at the end of that, the, both the girls are 70 years old. Sister A has significantly more money than Sister B, even though B saved for 40 years and A only saved for 12 because compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It will change your existence. And, you know, people that tell me all the time, I don't understand why they work, well, go out and look at your credit card statement every month <laughs> and, you, and you think, how could I possibly owe that much money? I used to have that feeling. And then all of a sudden you start getting your brokerage statements and your hedge fund statements. And the other thing happens and you think, Evan, how could we have this much money? Somebody's made a mistake here. Yeah. And, you know, and there's no mystery. I mean, I mean, you're talking to a blind guy with no special talent, skills or anything. And I've never met anybody more broken, scared than I was. Crystal and I had to get out of debt. We, we never had... Uh, I mean, we lived in poverty in our 20s, and then I was totally blind and broke and everything, and uh, it's in my book, The Millionaire Map. I, you know, I tell people, don't ever take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want, period. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Do not take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want. Well, as soon as I wrote that in a book about how to be a millionaire, 
I went home and I told Crystal, I got to do something very uncomfortable. So I went to Bank of America and Merrill Lynch, had them do an audited financial statement on me. Not my business, not my royalties from all my books or movies, nothing other than cash on hand or securities in my, in my brokerage account. This is real money and to show that I had well in excess of $10 million and no debt. Mm -hmm. And all of that happened based on the principles I share in that book, The Millionaire Amount. Anybody can do that. I, I promise you, anybody can do that. But you're never going to do it unless you get started, and you're never going to do it unless you get out of debt. That's awesome. I love how you talked about doing an audit on yourself. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this back into some of the goal-setting things that, that we're, we're talking about here for this podcast. So you, so you did a little bit of reflection on yourself. You did a little bit of analysis to say, well, first of all, I don't want people taking advice from me if I haven't been there and achieved that. So that's a little bit of that reflection. And you talked a little bit about uh, sometimes looking at that credit card and just realizing how much debt you have there, too. So there's definitely high points and there's definitely low points in the reflection that you have uh, for the current year, and then I want to get a little bit into goal setting. So, talk a little bit about the importance of reflecting not not just always on the on the high points, but also on some of those of those low low points. How do you look at those things where you maybe had a failure uh, in the last year, or you really had some times of struggle? Um, how do you approach those things in terms of building for for the next year? Well, the 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 low points can be turning points, and. Uh, you know, we, we all can bounce off the bottom and go where we want to go. And we only change for two reasons, Evan, to gain pleasure or avoid pain. That's the only reason human beings will move <laughs> and do anything is to gain pleasure and avoid pain. And, uh, you know, I know for me, I remember we were in our 20s. Uh, we were totally broke. I was in debt. Interest rates were 22%. You haven't lived till you've borrowed six figures of money and you have virtually no income at 22% interest. Wow. And I, we, were, we were scared to death. And we would go to the grocery store every week with whatever cash I could clear out of the bank. And so I had 40 or 50 bucks worth of cash in my jeans pocket. We would walk up and down the aisles, buy stuff, and Crystal would punch it into the calculator. And as soon as it hit zero, we checked out and went home. That was how much food we could afford that week. And one week, Providence lent a hand and we miscalculated. And we were there in the checkout line, right there in front of the checkout girl, and several neighbors waiting in line, and other people we knew. Crystal had to go put a loaf of bread back, because yeah. we didn't have the money. And that loaf of bread, that has been a multi-million dollar loaf of bread for me. <laughs> because Evan, I stood right there in that checkout line, and I said, I don't care what it takes, as, as long as it's legal, moral, and ethical, I am never gonna have this feeling again in my life. Yeah. So it wasn't so much I wanted to get rich to have stuff. The thing I want to have is never have that feeling again, and I never want to worry about money again. And the greatest thing, Crystal and I have, it's not the houses and the cars and the trips and all the things we have, and we have those things. But the greatest thing we have is I don't worry about money anymore. I have people laugh at me how naive I am about how much stuff costs. Guy told me the other day, he said, he said, man, I found gas for two something a gallon or whatever he told me. I had no idea. Is that good or bad? Or what? I have no idea what stuff costs. I have no idea because I don't worry about it. But I tell you, I, I don't. I haven't had that feeling in years. Like the car starts smoking, or the refrigerator's making a funny noise, or the roof starts leaking, and oh, you get that feeling that oh my God, what are we going to do? Because uh, 
One of the most staggering statistics I have heard, 40% of Americans could not come up with $1,000 cash in an emergency. Mm -hmm. 40% of Americans cannot come up with $1,000 cash in an emergency. And if you lived on your own for any length of time, $1,000 emergencies are not if they're going to happen, it's when. They happen all the time. You can't hardly get your car worked on or an appliance replaced or you know, a home repair or go to the hospital or anything else. I mean, it's going to happen. You, you get out of that slavery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you talk about that being a turning point, that low point being a turning point. I've heard the quote, chaos is a ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would even say that challenges and problems are a ladder, and it's an opportunity for you to climb out of that. Uh, talk a little bit about what your mentality was to help you get through that, because uh, it, I think it's easy to say, I, I never want to be here again, but then you get into that day-to-day. So what kind of carried you through to that next level to, to really push you and, and drive you and remind you? Was it the loaf of bread? Was it um, just uh, hard work? What, what was the thing that, or the things that helped carry you through that? I had to learn something. I had, I had been doing poor people stuff because I thought like poor people. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn something. Evan, if you took all the money in the world today and divided it up equally among everybody, within about two years, the rich people would be rich again and the poor people would be poor again. Mm-hmm. Because rich people do rich people stuff and poor people do poor people stuff. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It means they don't know what to do. Yeah. And uh, so we, you know, money is a function of knowledge and wisdom. Uh, wisdom is simply applying the knowledge. So you need to find wealthy people and follow the leader. You need to make sure every dollar you earn, part of it you spend on yourself today, part of it you save and invest for tomorrow, and part of it you give away. And people tell me all the time, well, Jim, I'm in debt. I don't have any money. I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. Yeah. Because I'm a firm believer that there's this, this door in the middle of our heart and soul that's called the blessing. And the, the same door that opens when we share with other people is how we receive things. Mm-hmm. And you get this feeling that I'm good enough, I can, I can give. And, you know, I'm talking if you can give a dollar, I, you know, but part of every check you get should be given away. And I promise you the most fun I've ever had with money is giving it away. Yeah. Beyond, I mean, to send 500 kids to college, to build buildings at universities, to feed 100,000 people in Haiti, to load up a, a truckload of bicycles and go into a poor area in a city and give every kid a bike. And no questions asked. They don't know who you are. That was a fun day. Yeah. And, I, you know, years ago I started doing some. I check in and out of about 100 hotels a year. Every time I find my hotel maid in the hall and I give her my Benjamin Franklin Award, she gets a $100 bill. And, uh, and it makes me feel... She gets a hundred. I feel like a million. It'll change your world. Well, I'm glad you said that uh, because we had Mark Green on the podcast a while back, and he said money can't buy happiness unless you give it away, and that that ties perfectly in, into what you said. And, and being a giver, being a cheerful giver, and really looking for those opportunities to help other people, um, I love that, and that's something that we try to reinforce. Uh, at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa. That's why we have our Pay It Forward initiative. That's why mm-hmm. we uh, try to raise money for organizations that are doing good in the community. It's not just so that we can help those organizations. It's because we want to teach our members and we want to teach the people that are listening to this podcast and everywhere else that there are 
things beyond just giving the money away that you're able to get. And if you're prosperous, if you're in the business community, uh, you are a leader. And by giving by example, other people are going to see that in some cases, some cases they won't, but you're setting a precedent for yourself in the future as well. And I think it's really important because if you start giving when you don't have a lot, it's going to be a lot easier to give when you do have a lot. Yeah, and I set all my goals now financially toward giving. Yeah, Evan, I'm not going to live any better next year if I make twice as much or half as much as I made this year. makes no difference. So the goals I set are, man, if I could double my income, we could give exponentially more than we are. And, you know, just like most things in life, finances are not about me. Yeah. And so the way you make money is you create value in the lives of other people. You go to work every day thinking, how can I make money? No, you don't make money. You create value in their lives, and money is a result. It's not a cause, it's a result. So if you can create value for other people and then set your goals on what you can give away, you'll have more money than you ever wanted to spend. That actually answers the question I was about to ask you, which was, uh, what are some good goals to set? So, so for you, giving giving um, money away and finding more ways to give is definitely one. But what about um, what are some other goals that we can look at as we as we start approaching the new year? Two goals, and I always look at my goals uh, between Christmas and New Year. And I would encourage you and everyone listening to us avoid the New Year's resolution trap. Mm-hmm. You know, people have done that and last 22 years they set a New Year's resolution and by February 1st it's over. Don't do that because you're setting yourself up for failure. Have a New Year's revolution and have a revolutionary experience where you're going to change something that matters. The ones that I've done that have impacted me, uh, I was on the road in Vancouver, Washington and a guy who knew my, who knows my parents uh, stopped me as I was signing books and he said, Jim, how's your mom and dad? And I said, oh, they're doing great, thank you. And he said, man, it must be nice. They live right there in town. I said, they do. He said, how often do you get to see them? My parents live three miles from my house. They are now 85 and 86 years old. And there in Vancouver, I realized I haven't seen my mom and dad in four months. Hmm. Now, I talked to them on the phone, but I hadn't seen them. That was it. I'm done. That was a loaf of bread experience for me. <laughs> I decided, From that point to this, every Friday afternoon and evening belongs to mom and dad. Mm-hmm. I'm at mom and dad's house. We take them to dinner. We spend time together, whatever. And uh, that has been going on for years, and it, it's never changed. And, uh, you know, people, I've told people that, oh, aren't you dedicated? No, it's the greatest thing I've ever done. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. And then, even worse than that, one day I, my wife and I were having dinner, and she's very busy. She travels a lot, too, and we were having dinner, and I start telling her, hey, that project I've been working on finally came through, and I was telling her the details, and it dawns on me, she has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and there's something I've been working on for months, and she has no idea what I'm talking about. That was the end of that, that day. Mm-hmm. From that day to this, every morning between 6 and 7 in the morning, my wife and I are either on my deck, in front of the fireplace, wherever we are, we drink our coffee, and we sit there. No newspapers, no TV, no radio. We spend an hour together. And that has changed my existence. That's been going on for probably 15 years. And that has changed my existence. Because we talk every day. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I tell you, I have a poster in my office at home and it, it, at the top it says success is, and then it lists a hundred things. 
and it's probably four feet long. And the number one thing is marry the right person. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't marry the right person, it's hard to get anywhere in life. And, you know, and even if you married the right person, if you don't talk to the right person, you're never going to get anywhere. And I have guys all around that, oh, man, aren't you dedicated? How do you do this? No, I, this is who I married. I mean, uh, you know, we're married now 36 years. And, uh, you know, when we were dating, I used to, we used to go out on a date for five or six hours, get back to college in time for curfew, and then I'd go in and call her. I mean, I just spent five hours with her, and I'd go call her. I mean, you know, we talked all the, but, you know, somehow you, you get married, you get busy, you get, no. Guys need to understand, you can tell me what you think your priorities are, but that's just talk. We live in a world, Evan, when it's all said and done, there's a lot said and very little done. You show me your bank statement and your calendar, and I'll tell you what's important in your life. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? That's what's important in your life. What you say is only what you say. What you do is how you spend your time and your money. And if you're not spending regular time with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, with whatever your faith is, with your studying, you're kidding yourself. You are absolutely kidding yourself. So those are the fundamental goals. Everything grows from there. The goal to spend more time, the goal to give, those are goals that I think a lot of times uh, we don't necessarily think of when we think of a New Year's resolution. Uh, as you say, revolution. Because um, for me, it would be like, I would want to lose weight or I would want to um, read more books or whatever mm-hmm. else. But I, I think if I'm reading between the lines here, the goal is more to be intentional with the time that you have and the resources that you have. Exactly. And if you can focus on those things uh, and focus on goals that point back to that, let those be kind of the outline or the guide of what your goals should be. And I love how you brought your wife into it. it, it one of the things that I was thinking about is family goals. We're not just individuals anymore mm-hmm. once we're married. So our goals need to include our spouses and our family and our kids. I was just talking to a good friend of mine, and he talked about how for next year one of his goals is is that each month he wants to have some sort of surprise for his kids. And it's like, hey, I'm going to take Friday off, and I'm going to pull my kid out of school, and we're going to go to the fair. But we're going to the Dallas Fair, and we're not going to the Tulsa Fair. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a road trip with Dad, and we're going to go down there, we're going to have a good time, or, or we're going to go off and do this, these things and just make these memorable experiences. And if you take the time now to be intentional with planning that stuff and making that a priority, like you said, you'll be able to look at that calendar later on down the line and say, your family is very important to you because I see all these times that you're taking out time in your day to invest time in your family. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm i a member of the National Speakers Association. I met a guy uh, in Dallas. We were both switching planes and we had a few minutes together. And he speaks on balance and family values. And I said, how's your business? He's managed great. I'm booked 220 dates this year. <laughs> he hadn't been home in four months. Yeah. And uh, I said, man, you ought to read one of those books you wrote. Because, um, tell you, and particularly if you have small children, um, you know, you think, well, I'm going to make it up to them. We're going to go to Disney at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. No, your kids don't remember the end of the year. Uh, the end of the month is, is forever when you're a little kid. They know what did you do every day. Yeah. The things I remember about my father when I was a kid, my dad w- worked uh, 10, 12 hours a day. He would come home. Every day we'd play basketball, we'd play baseball, and it probably wasn't more than 20, 30 minutes. We had dinner together and we talked. We went to church together, and after church I had to at least pay attention enough to be able to recite something because I knew he was going to ask, what would you learn? But then the biggest thing is 
every Saturday in the summer and fall, my dad and I would go fishing. Now, after church Sunday, he had to go back to the office, and I didn't realize for years that uh, that's where he got that time. He would spend Sunday afternoon catching up in the office, getting ready for the week, uh, and that's where he got our fishing time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that until then, but the best times I ever spent in my life were fishing with my dad. And because for guys, fishing and baseball were not invented to catch fish or watch a game. It's so guys can talk. Yeah. Guys don't sit around and talk. Women are so much better at that. They'll get together and just talk. Guys, we don't get together and talk. So, but if you if you have a line in the water where there's somebody out there playing baseball, you can talk because we're not talking. We're at a baseball game, and um, <laughs> that's how those work. But uh, yeah, th those kind of things are what make a difference. You know, I, I spoke uh, uh, two years ago at the World Wealth Conference. Is uh, Alan Greenspan and I and. Uh, uh, hundreds of families that are all in the billionaire class and I, I got to talk to many of them many of them are unhappy because their kids are ruined their marriages are ruined they they deal with the same thing that, that, that we deal with now if you don't clear this stuff up now piling more money and more responsibility on it it's not going to improve anything Man, there is so much there. That's what I love about podcasts is that uh, I'm going to, when I edit this, I'm going to get to hear it all over again. But you as listeners, man, make sure you uh, listen to that over and over again because there's so much good information there, especially if I, for our lady listeners. I think we just gave away the secret of, of men's minds and how we, we work and interact. So um, I don't know that we want that one to get out too far. But uh, I was definitely connecting with you when you're talking about having a, a line in the water or going yep. to a ball game. And you just right on. That's that's how guys are. That One of the things with this podcast, Podcast is it's forced me to have conversations and so it's my excuse it's, it's my line in the water but but the results of it are have been astronomically uh, incredible in terms of developing myself as a person and being able to uh, sit across the desk from a guy like you Jim so you know thank you for taking the time to do that because you know this is my opportunity uh, to have that 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 fishing experience or that baseball experience with some of the top minds uh, in Tulsa and in, in the country. Jim, we're getting a little uh, long on time here, so I want to kind of leave the last word to you. I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to our listeners and uh, really just kind of open it up to you. You, you. you know who the audience is. You know um, what we're trying to accomplish here with this, this podcast. What would you say your message is to young business leaders? Well, the biggest dream you ever had in your life is alive and well. And sometimes we get so busy making a living that we forget to create a life. But I want you to think about why you were put on this planet. Because this life is not a practice game. It's the World Series and the Super Bowl and the Olympics all rolled up into one. And you got to treat it that way. And uh, don't go halfway. Go first class or stay at home. And the way you do that is you take the biggest dream you ever had in your life and you go and you make that happen. That's why you were put here. And the dream would not have been put inside of you if you didn't have the capacity to achieve it. Everything you need to reach your goal will be there when you need it. But too many times we're waiting for all the lights to be green before we'll leave the house. Take the first step now. You know, set your goals, start getting out of debt, start reading, start learning, start growing, and uh, before long, you will you will be in places you never imagined you could be. And Evan, I want to thank you. Uh, when my books come out, as I was telling you before, I'll do a hundred radio interviews in a week all across the country. And uh, rarely do I get interviewed by somebody that really cares about what we're talking about and the people we're talking to as much as you do. So I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. 
Awesome, Jim. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. That means a, a ton to me. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.